in everyone. I thank you um, for being here. I will bless God for all that he has been doing in our lives. Um, yes, indeed, it's it's been a beautiful worship. I almost did not step in to take my session. I was just going to be, can we just go on and like just keep worshiping God? But uh, I want us to just quickly finish what we started um, yesterday. Um, yesterday, I, I felt, or today, or between yesterday and today, I kind of felt like the Lord wanted us to revisit Genesis 27. And, you know, in Genesis 27, we began to talk about the gate of dominion. Um, and I'm just going to go there and, you know, we'll finish. Uh, we began with Genesis 24 when we're speaking about who, who shall ascend the hills of the Lord, you know, um, he who has clean hands, pure heart, has not lifted up his soul to any idol, neither has he sworn deceitfully. You know, we're like, this is Jacob, the generation um, the, that seek your face, you know, that seek thy face, O Jacob. You know, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. So we began to trace all of this. Uh, we traced it all the way down from um, the scripture in, uh, let me see now, in Matthew, I believe, Matthew 16, we traced it all the way from, um, from Matthew 16, when Jesus was speaking about, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom, when he was speaking to um, to Peter, and his, and we were, you know, I will begin the topic of dominion, and we're talking about how keys represent authority, how keys represent um, power, how keys represent uh you know, just the ability to be able to unlock and open doors. And I began to speak to you about how, um, what brings you into that place where you are able to unlock and open doors is the spirit of revelation and your ability to walk in revelation. And I was, we were just talking about the power of the bedrock and how in this season, that is what you need to activate every single thing that you're going to do. And just to be able to find God inside of everything. Uh, I know that sometimes you hear that and we hear things like, what would Jesus do? But, you know, to a large extent, we have begun to downplay that. But the truth is, where is Christ in the midst of every matter? If you can find him and you can find his opinion, then you can enter into his authority. And with that authority, you can open every gate and every door. And so we're speaking about how Jesus said to him, and he said to him that, you know, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And he wasn't just speaking to Peter, he was speaking to the church. He says, upon this work of revelation, I will build my church. And when you when you look at that, you begin to realize that the authority of the church, the authority of the average believer or the normal believer is not in a physical structure, it's not in the physical building, because the bedrock that Jesus was talking about was not a physical structure. So if he, he meant that it was a physical structure, that means um, every physical church has to be built upon a rock, has to be built on a hilly area. So it wasn't a physical thing. He was actually talking about a spiritual thing. That means the church in itself is spiritual because if the foundation is spiritual, if the foundation is a space in the realm of the spirit, that means the church is built in that space in the realm of the spirit. And I was speaking to you about the concept of the bedrock and how the bedrock in itself 
um, just speaks about that huge, powerful rock that is unmovable and every other thing is cut out of it. And this is the realm and this is the space in the spirit where the church, the believer, you and I dwell. We are standing and we are rooted and we are built upon something really powerful and unmovable. So when you become born again and you are engrafted into the body of Christ and you are engrafted into the church of God, that means you automatically receive the same strength of the bedrock. You automatically become an unmovable and unshakable force. So what does this look like in our day-to-day normal life? How do we bring this unshakable position and posture into our daily lives and into our living because you see it is all about living it's all about life the place where christianity began to lose its authority is the place where christianity began to lock itself within church walls and within church gates that was where we lost our authority because the original man that god created operated from the place of life and living so when god created adam and eve he said to he said to them you know before for multiply, fill the edit. He didn't tell them go and build church. He didn't tell them go and build an altar. He didn't, he didn't give any of those instructions because in the original plan of creation, your life, your living, your engagement is your altar. Your life, your living is your worship. Your life, your living is where you find your dominion and you exercise your power. You know, so the, the, the reason why many of us miss it is that we miss that the bedrock is not a physical, tangible place. The bedrock is a posture of heart. The bedrock is a posture of mind. The bedrock is a place, is a realm of operation in the spirit. It is the unshakable authority of God that comes from heaven. So Jesus said to him, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. He says, I will give unto you the key. So for you to be able to oppose the orchestrations and the power of hell, you need to be well connected to heaven. He says the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So I began to say that he said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, I will lose in heaven shall be losing uh, on earth. That means a man that has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven is like a ladder that connects heaven to the earth. It's like a ladder is, is the same way that I am streaming from YouTube, from, from Zoom, but you can see me on YouTube. So imagine that Zoom is heaven and YouTube is earth. So as long as I am streaming a content from here, you can see it on YouTube. So whatsoever I bind here is bound on YouTube. And whatsoever I lose here is losing on YouTube. It's the same way that it works. So a man that is um, that is born again, basically, is like this medium, this streaming medium, is like the connection between Zoom and YouTube, so that at every point in time, you have one leg in heaven and you have one leg on earth. Jesus was saying that this is what I am giving to you by reason of the fact that you can see me in every matter. What you automatically have is the ability to operate from two realms at the same time. The capacity to operate, this is very, very important because this is where terror, this is where fear comes from. The moment Satan begins to make you feel like you have been cut out and cut short from the place of authority with God or from the place of being a bit able to engage with God in his fullness. This is where fear comes from. And so a man is made to feel limited. A man is made to feel oppressed. A man is meant to feel um, like, you know, 
all the power you have is only what is made available to you. But that is the lie of the devil. Because as far as you have a revelation of Christ in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of this life, in the midst of living, in every matter, you see what you automatically have is the fullness of heaven. You know, and you know, to be able to see Christ in every matter is a culture you develop you consciously and intentionally step back at every point in time. So you are looking at um, your children playing and you are seeing Christ in the midst of it. You are understanding that you're, you're seeing the revelation of oh, how Jesus lived, how Jesus grew, you know, in this life. It is upon that revelation that you can look and say, you see, if my children like, let them play on the road, can we not jam them? Why? Because if Jesus did not die, he that was the Messiah or is the Messiah and the Savior and the stakes upon his head were so great, you would think that Satan will even use a little mosquito to kill him. But Jesus lived through this life and he existed. He lived out his days until he was ready to die. He could not be killed. That now tells you that if you can see the power of God at work in keeping a seed, the power of God at work in protecting a seed, irrespective of the seasons of the seed's life, irrespective of the circumstances that before him, God was constantly able to warn the parents ahead of time and to keep and preserve the child until the day of his death then your child shall be kept and preserved. Your ability to see Christ in the in the usual life and living and, you know, just orchestrations. You know, last night before I went to bed, my husband was looking at me because I just sat there for a while and I was staring and he said, you know, what, what, I, what what's going on? What's happening in your head? I said, well, I'm just thinking about how I can be a better person. And he said to me, he said, are you not a better person um, right now? He said to me, are you not a better person, you know? And I was like, well, I can be better. I can do better. I can be better, you know? Um, sorry, guys, are you still there? I see that what is being shown on YouTube is different from what I'm seeing. If you're there, just say, Pia, we are here. We can see you. We can see you on YouTube. Can you hear me? Okay, you can hear me, you can see me. Great, great, great. That's good to know. All right, great guys. Thank you. All right. You know, so he said to me, he said, oh, you know, are you not a better person? I said, yes, I am, but I can be better. I can do better. I can live better. I can operate better, you know. And for me, it was because I sat down and I thought, and I saw all the areas where I was not consciously bringing Christ in. And I was not consciously seeing Jesus. And I was not consciously entering into the operations of Christ. I was seeing the areas where my flesh kicked in. My humanity kicks in so easily. You know, I was seeing the areas where my, just who I am by reason of how I have been born, where my Simon Bajona kicks in. And I was like, you know, Lord, you need to help me to be able to 
master, to come into the mastery of establishing Christ at every point in time and looking at matters and looking at situations through the eyes of Christ. I wanted to chip it in there because it's a culture you develop. It happens intentionally. You don't stumble into it. You It happens intentionally. You know, so he says, when you enter into this place, you then have the authority to operate and rebuke and bind on behalf of Christ. The first prayer I want us to pray this morning is, Father, give me a new culture. Teach me, oh God, how to carry you, how to see you, how to work with you intentionally in every matter. Help me, precious Holy Spirit, to be able to walk in the wind of your will. Let me be driven consistently by the doctrine of Christ in the midst of it all. Father, it doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter what the glory is. It doesn't even matter what the season is. It doesn't even matter what the circumstances are. Father, I, I have come to understand that what positions me above the burden and the yoke of this age is that I'm able to bring you into every matter. So God, I ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus, that Father, you give me the unique ability to be able to see you. Teach me, oh God, make me conscious, Holy Spirit, of this every single time. When I, when I look at that which weakens me naturally, when I look at that which troubles me naturally, Father, help me to see it differently from today. Help me to see it differently from today. Father, retrain my eyes, retrain my ears, retrain me, oh God. I dedicate and I rededicate my senses unto you. I rededicate my abilities unto you. I rededicate my capacities unto you. I rededicate myself unto you, Jesus. I rededicate my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth, my hands, oh God. I commit myself, Father, to this journey of being awakened to the revelation of Jesus. I commit myself to this journey of being awakened to the revelation of Christ in the midst of life and living. Father, may I not miss you. Let me see you, oh God, in the things you have created, in the sun, the moon, the stars. Let me see you, oh God, in the people you have created, the people I pass by on the street, the people that I work with, the people that I live with, oh God. Father, let me see you in the midst, oh God, of creation, the things that even men have created, Father. Help me to be able to observe the patterns of heaven. Help me to be able to observe the patterns of the Spirit in every single affair of life in the name of Jesus. May I not miss your wind, oh God. May I not miss your orchestrations, oh God. But Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, you will break me out and break me into this superior place of operation for it is in him that I live it is in him that I move and it is in him that I have my being so God I ask that in the name of Jesus help me oh God to be able to see through the lens of Christ help me oh God to be able to act through the medium of Jesus I want to see differently, Lord. I want to see differently, Lord. 
Father, possess my eyes completely. Father, possess my vision completely. I want to be able to see you. Father, do not let me be blinded by the things that weaken me. Do not let me be blinded, oh God, by the natural inclination to judge all things from the place of the flesh. But God, I ask that you will come and change my evaluation system. Teach me the culture of seeing as Jesus would see. Teach me the culture. Father, help me to make it my new culture. Help me, oh God. Holy Ghost, possess my mind and my remembrance. Help me to remember this every day. When I lie down to sleep, help me to see Jesus in the act of sleeping. Father, when I get up in the morning, help me to see Jesus in the midst of waking up. Father, when I hold my spouse, help me to see Jesus in the midst of marriage and in the midst of engaging with a partner. Father, I don't want to evaluate anymore from the place of the flesh because there is a better version of me. There is a better version of my life. There is a better version of me, Father. Father, help me, oh God, to be more awakened. Help even my unconsciousness to become conscious of Jesus. Father, so that when I speak Jesus, let me even unconsciously pour out Christ at every point in time. In the name of Jesus, my God, I believe that the possession of the Holy Ghost is bigger and greater and more powerful than the possession of any other kind of spirit, than the possession of any other kind of culture. So we give ourselves wholly and completely to the possession of the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, let us become your expressions. Let us become your expressions. Let us become the right hand of your mind and your will upon the earth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we bless you. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, you know, because after this, I began to speak to you about dominion. And then we moved to Psalm 24. And we began to speak about the leaving gate and the leaving doors. And I was speaking to you about how the first gate and first door that we observed in the spirit realm, how it was leaving, how there were leaving entities at that door. So every gate and every door is actually leaving because gates and doors are covered and are protected by spirit. So when you speak about the opening of doors and you speak about a great and effective door, what you are talking about is that there is a great and effective presence of the Holy Ghost and the angelic host that is waiting for you to bring you into God's promises. He says, but there are many adversaries. So surrounding that is also the orchestrations of hell that hell has plotted to keep you from being able to engage Christ in the midst of it. Because the moment you are able to break past the adversary and the limitation, then you can see the power of Jesus in the midst of it all. And then we move to Genesis 27 and the story of Esau, and that's where I'm going to land and stay today, because that was still speaking about dominion. He says, and Esau said unto his father, has thou but one blessing, my father? We know the story about Esau and Jacob, and we know the story about how um, Jacob stole the blessings of Esau, and how Isaac pronounced the blessings over um, Jacob, even though he would have willingly done it for Esau, but by the hand of the Lord, according to the prophecy of God, it all had to work together in the favor of Jacob. Now, here comes Esau, and I need you to stay with me, because in this story, um, 
there is there is the concept of two trees in your garden. And I have been talking about this since the beginning of the year or since last year, about the fact that there are constantly two streams flowing in the midst of every human being. If you look at God, God will say things like, I put before you life and death, but I ask you choose life. In the Garden of Eden, you see that there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you see that there were two sons, there was Cain and there was Abel. It is almost as though consistently when you go through scriptures, you see this pattern of two options. There was David and there was Saul. There were always two options laid before God, at the junction of every major transition of humanity, it is like God always places two options before you. And it's like you, you have to choose. Are you going to choose Christ or are you going to choose the old order? Are you going to choose grace or are you going to choose the law? You know, are you going to choose life? Are you going to choose death? Are you going to choose light? Are you going to choose darkness? You see, in, there's always consistently two streams of operation when you look at God. It is a pattern consistently in the Bible. Now, I don't want you to look at it as a pattern outside of you. I need you to step back for one minute and look at it as a pattern that exists within you. The reason why I'm talking to you about the patterns of two options this morning is so that you may understand the operation of dominion and so that you may understand that people don't stumble into dominion. People choose dominion. And so you look at the Garden of Eden and you see how there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to them, I bid you choose life. Because why? because there stands before you life and death, but choose life. Because if you choose the other tree, it will lead you to death. So we see that concept that God began to speak about later. We see it actually existing in the Garden of Eden. And you know, um, I was speaking to somebody. And so let me talk to you about the concept of death and the concept of evil and the concept of that which destroys you, the second option. Please stay with me this morning because it will save you and it will completely change the way you think. It will completely change the way you evaluate. It will completely change the way you engage with people. As a matter of fact, this is what will open the bowels of mercy over you. This is what we enable you to be able to receive every race, every people, every kind, and to bring and to superimpose the goodness and the grace of God over it. You see, these two trees in the garden were not inherently bad. They were not inherently bad. I remember where the trees were in the garden. Remember what I spoke to you about the garden yesterday. And I said the river flowed from Eden and it flowed through the garden and from the garden, it broke into the whole earth. Stay with me. The river flows from Eden. Eden is the is actually the presence of God. Eden is actually the presence of God, the fullness of his spirit and his life. And then he said he planted a garden in the east of Eden. So the garden is not Eden. The garden is in Eden. So what happened in the garden? The garden was the place. It was like the utopia of, you know, God merging with humanity, the place of fruitfulness, the place of life, the place of glory, the place of strength. And in God's command to man, man was meant to, from Eden, go and replenish and strengthen the earth and bring his dominion and his capacity. So if Adam for one second had stepped out of the garden, he would realize that what he was experiencing in the garden was not necessarily the state of the whole earth because the Lord began to say to him, go and replenish, go and subdue, go and, you know, make the earth fruitful. If the earth was already like that, God would not command him to. So the garden was more 
more like the practice field. The garden was also to show Adam a prototype of what he was made to create on the earth. Please stay with me today because I need you to raise that garden away from a physical location and begin to understand what God is doing inside of you and how God expects you to take his, his workers inside of you into the whole earth. So you see Adam in the garden and God was showing him, yeah, here is the prototype. Here is what the earth is meant to look like. Here is the beauty. Here is what the plants, the animals, the life, everything is supposed to look like. When you come out of this garden, I need you to, to take out of here and take this same thing back to the world. But in the midst of that place where Adam had an unhindered intersection, interaction and fellowship with the Lord, in the midst of that same place, there were two trees. God never takes away the will of man, irrespective of how much you engage with him. And you see, the day I realized this, it was the day I feared my will. Because you realize that it was in the garden, in the place that you would have thought here, everybody just sings hallelujah, Adam and Eve could never fall. It was in the fellowship that they still found this other option. So it doesn't matter how much God saturates your life with his glory and his presence, he will never take your will away. And for all life and eternity, the will of man would always exist. Why do I know this? Because I believe that if in the original garden, it was um, Adam had a choice. I believe that even when we get to heaven, we will have a choice. Why? Because the Bible speaks about in the time before we existed, how the angelic host broke out in war. Why? Because Lucifer, even Lucifer's will was not taken away from him. He willed it. He said, I will sit upon the mount. I will exalt myself. I will. His will still existed with him. In the midst of standing before God, the Bible calls him a covering cherub. So he experienced the power and the presence of God like Gabriel you and that, uh, 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 Michael. You remember what Gabriel said to, uh, um, to Mary when he came to give out the message? And he says, no, to Zachariah. When Zachariah said, uh, how, he said, I am Gabriel, the one that stands before the presence of God. I don't even use to... To, to text him or message him. I stand before him constantly. I see him. I know him. I can bear his glory. He says, I am Gabriel. Do you know who is delivering this message to you? So that was how Lucifer was. He was a covering cherub. But in the midst of the fullness of the glory of God, yet his will was not taken away from him. So people who say, God, take my will, take my will, he's not going to take it. Even Jesus, the son of the living God, his will was not taken. That's why in the garden, Jesus said, let it be noted, yet this is not my will. I don't want to die. I see it, it's so hard, but not my will, but yours be done. It was in a garden that the new life and the new Testament was born. And it was in a garden that the old life and the old Testament was also born. The Testament of death was born in the first garden. The Testament of life was born in the first garden. But what was the door that unlocked the Testaments that we experienced? It was the door of choice, the door of will. Adam and Eve opened the door of their will to do that which was displeasing to the Lord, to do that which was a disobedience to God. But Jesus opened the door of his will to do that which was the will of the Father. Please track with me. Because when you understand this, you will not fall into any kind of rebellion again. To obey God will no longer be a struggle for you. It will break from your neck the yoke of what will people say? How will people see it? What do people think? It will break it completely from your neck. 
You know, because it is all obedience is the key. So Jesus obeyed, he chose and he said, let not my will be done but yours. I see the fruit. I see the possibility of escaping death. Remember what he said to them. He said, if I needed it, I can call and they will send me 12 legions of angels now, now, now. So Jesus understood that no matter the choice he made, he still had the power and the backing of heaven. But you see, it is not about making heaven. It is not about, oh, I am in Zion. The question is, are you a Zionite that is constantly instituting the will of God? Are you a Zionite that is constantly choosing God above your safety, above your good, above your merriment, above that which, which satisfies you? Are you constantly choosing God? That way we get to heaven, we will realize that it is the choices we made as believers that we position some above the others. The choices we made, not the elections we were given, not the selections of men, but the choices we made in the midst of life and living. This will be what we differentiate people when we get to heaven and the authority we carry. You see, so choice is always the door that opens men onto authority. Your choice. Now, we see Adam and Eve standing in this garden and in this presence, in this place of worship, in this utopia that was set up by God, where they could engage the fullness of the Lord. They made a choice. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about the concept of evil. And I said, the Bible says it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it wasn't two different. There were no three trees in the garden. There were only two. The name of the two trees, number one, is the tree of life. The second tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is not tree of life, tree of knowledge, tree of good and evil. No, tree of life, tree of good and evil. So there were only two trees. Now, imagine that you wanted to know what was good. That means you had to go and eat the tree that had good and evil inside it. Now, the tree did not produce two different kinds of fruits. The tree of knowledge of good and evil produced only one fruit. So if you plucked the tree, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you beat that fruit, automatically what you were eating was both good and evil. So the question is, how do you now be able to separate good from evil? If when you bite the fruit, you are eating both. Now, is knowledge back? No. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the house is filled with all great things. Now, you don't begin to build a house by knowledge. You begin to build it by wisdom. One of the days, we will look at the gate of wisdom, you know, and then the gate of understanding. It's two different things. Because when you look at the expressions of the seven spirits of God, you begin to see the different expressions in all of these things. Now, oh, Holy Ghost, help me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you didn't realize that in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's not the ultimate because you cannot separate good from evil. You cannot, you cannot separate it just by knowing. Knowledge, the Bible says, the letter kill it, but the spirit give it life. That's why you can no longer read the Bible for just knowledge. You have to read the Bible for the revelation of the life of Christ. If you read it for just knowledge to know good from evil, you will ultimately fail 
it will ultimately break you. It will ultimately lead to your death because you will realize that you are powerless to obey God without first being filled with the life of God. It is the revelation of the spirit of God that is born from eating the tree of life that gives a man the capacity to judge good from evil. Ultimately, the, we were going to eat of that tree because the Bible says, know you not that you will judge angels. Remember, we are going back to Genesis 27 and I need you to stay with me. Know you not that you were going to judge the angels. How were we going to be able to judge them? How was man that had never experienced evil, that was just born into this, this place of perfection, how was that man going to be able to judge what Lucifer and the fallen angels did versus what Michael and Gabriel did? That means that man ultimately would have had to eat of that tree. But by the time the man is eating of that tree, he would have been so filled with the life of God. He would have been so filled with the nourishment of the tree of life that when he ate of the tree of knowledge, it will not corrupt him. Because knowledge corrupts, knowledge puffs up. You see, so that's why we cannot base our living with God based on only knowledge. We must base it on the life. Now, within that garden, within your garden, these two trees also exist. Within your place of worship, within your Christianity, within your living as a believer, these two trees exist. They exist in your daily life. They exist in your engaging with people. They exist in your engaging with, uh, with the saints, with the fellowship with church. It exists. In the way you look at your brother that is a minister, how do you evaluate what the person is doing? Are you evaluating it from the tree of the life of God? Or are you evaluating it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That's why we have to be careful when the church begins to move from the life of the spirit. And we begin to move into the place of what is right, what is wrong. What looks good, what looks bad. And, but the right thing to do. Listen, there is a higher place from good and evil. I'm telling you. Because if the knowledge of good and evil was the ultimate, there would have not been a need for the tree of life. So there is a realm that is higher than, is it right? Is it wrong? Because there are some things you cannot fully judge. Is it right or is it wrong that God should destroy some nations and leave some? Is it right or is it wrong that God should allow one person's child die and the other person's child leave? Is it right or is it wrong that God should allow war break out and people die and then in some places, he would institute peace. What is right from wrong? What is right from wrong? How do you know? So at the end of the day, Tov versus Ra, which is good versus evil, is an interval. I remember I was talking to you about what Solomon said. Solomon said, help me to be able to descend the interval between good and evil. It is almost like it is on a spectrum. And without the life of God, you cannot judge it. Even now, as we stand, God is constantly giving us that choice. Every day as we move, we are constantly in the place of doing, well, it makes sense. It sounds right. Eh, I should be able to. Eh, should a man not be able to? Eh, my fathers were good and evil. Go back into the life. Many believers have been accultured to the thinking of this age. Accultured to the way people evaluate. Accultured to uh, what sounds right, what looks right, what feels right, it will only lead you to death. It cannot release the life of God over you. It cannot release the life of God over you. So this morning, um, you begin to see the story of Esau and Jacob in Genesis 
27. And in Genesis 27, you see Esau and you see Jacob. And this morning, I don't want you to think of Esau and Jacob as just two people that were written about in the Bible. I need you to think about Esau and Jacob like the two trees in the garden. Esau was not inherently wrong. Esau was not inherently a bad person. You know, Esau was just like you and I. God says to you, take a fast. And then, you know, you wake up that morning, you are feeling hungry. You remember you have one nice jollof rice in your fridge that you have not yet warmed. And you're like, you know what? Let me just eat. It was porridge that Esau ate. Food. He was hungry. The Bible says he had gone out to hunt. He had gone out to do that which was needed. He had gone out to do that which was necessary to live as a man. And then he came back, he was hungry. And he saw food and he ate it. And all of us now heard some thousands of years later that that's how his birthright left him. So think about it. How many birthrights have we sold? How many birthrights have we given up if it's by food? How many some of us are living on birthright deficiency? Like we have finished the birthright completely. Do you understand? So you begin to understand that it is a very subtle place when you are speaking about dominion. Because that's where we still are. It is a very subtle place and it begins with your ability to discern. Descend the heart of God, descend the will of God in the normal issues of life and living. It wasn't a big congregation that was called to say, Esau, do you this day give up your bed right now? It wasn't a prayer meeting. It wasn't an intervention session. No, it was in the normal duties of life. That was where Esau lost it. This morning, I'm trying to bring your mind to the place of dominion when it is not obvious that it is in operation. It was not obvious to Esau that that was the day. Nobody tells you that this is the day you lose it or the day you gain it. So at every point in time, you must be ready to decide what is right. So you see this operation of Esau and Jacob still tormenting us today. Jacob represents the part of us that is quick to engage God. The part of us that is quick to discern. You know, the part of us that is quick to live for spiritual things. But there is also the part of us that is fleshly. That's what the Bible says. There is a consistent war between the flesh and the spirit. So if you look at it, Jacob will represent the spirit and Esau will represent the operations of the flesh. So Esau was, if you look at it also, it was as though, see, tomorrow I asked myself, what did Jacob walk? Because anytime you look at it, it's Esau that was coming back from outside. Esau was the one that went to hunt and came back. Meanwhile, Jacob, the house they cook. I said, was his work, chef? You understand? Because you see the, the matter again. Isaac wanted to give blessing. Esau was the one again that went out to go and kill animal. Isaac sit down for house. They cook food, give it papa chop. You get where I'm coming from. So you now look at it and it's almost as though Jacob was operating from the place of rest. It was almost as though Jacob was operating from a place where he knew that, you know, it's not about the hustle. It's not about what I do to please my father, please. Because Esau was constantly trying to please his father. At some point, he went to take a wife when he realized that it displeased his father, that he had, you know. So it was like Esau represents the arm of flesh, the arm of struggle, the arm of hustle, the whatever you are doing to try to make it work. And I need you to take, remember I said, take this thing into your daily life. Look at the operation of Esau in your marriage. Oh, I have done everything that I can. I have done everything that I should. I am really trying. Relax. Go back into the spirit because the arm of flesh can never save any man. The arm of your own op operations and your own hustle and struggle can never save anybody. 
And nobody knows the day where the birthright is lost. Nobody knows the day where the, where the, the, the bond that connects the two of you when it breaks. Nobody knows the statement that you will make. And from that day, the other person will say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Nobody knows the day when the yoke is too much and the other person gives up. So it is not from the place of hustle that we build anything that will be able to carry and reproduce the life of God. We build it from the place of resting and knowing what the prophetic word of the Lord is. And our hustle and our struggle should be to constantly position ourselves for the operation and for the appearing of opportunity for that prophetic word to be birthed. It is the same thing in the lives of your children. Same thing in your business. Many of us as you are ministry also, I see it. Where people are struggling to make connections, struggling to be positioned, struggling for the whole world to see you. You don't need it. Believe me, there is a place where the blessing of Israel begins to flow through you. It is the earth that comes to the brightness of your rising. It is the earth that comes to you to show, show me your God. You see, the reason why we are still struggling with the world system is because we have not mastered the culture of Zion. We have not mastered kingdom culture. That's why we are still engaging in the force of Esau, the world and how it works and how it operates. But what we don't understand is that we are under a yoke because the yoke of Jacob over Esau did not begin the day that um, Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob. It began from the very beginning when they were about to come out of the, of the, of the, of the belly. We noticed that Esau was the one that first came out and Jacob held his heel and said to him, where, where, where is he saying they go? You know, so Jacob in himself from the very beginning was always awake. From when he was in the womb, Jacob, it was the troubling of Israel and Jacob that made um, the mother go to God and say, what's going on? The way my stomach is doing me, this does not seem like normal belly. And the Lord said to him, there are two nations in your womb. One will serve the other. One will be greater than the other. I need you to understand in the womb of your destiny, in the womb of your life, in the womb of your relationships, in the womb of your business, in the womb of your ministry, there are always two nations in operation. Each one has the capacity to birth and to bring forth. Today, you need to understand Esau and Jacob so that you can identify them everywhere you go. You see the patterns of this operating in everything that you do. It was in the troubling of these two that made her go back. And God says, listen, you have the capacity to birth two different kinds of expression. The question is, what was the purpose of Esau? What was the purpose of Esau? If in the betting of Esau, problem go day, what was the purpose of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So you begin to understand that when you operate in the realm of dominion, it is not in the realm of absolute holiness or absolute separation from the possibilities of evil and darkness. No, you can never have dominion until you have darkness. You can never have, you can never have the power to subdue until there is a rebellion. You can never have the power to replenish until there is a spirit of depletion. So many Christians, we think that when we come into power and authority is when there is no um, contention with us. No, it is the contention that actually bets your authority and power. So God is not afraid of a good fight. You need to understand this. God, when the Bible did not say when um, Lucifer rebuilt that God said, hey, Lucifer, you, you that I made. You, no, 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 no. God was chilling. When war broke out in heaven, it was not Elohim that fought. It was the angelic host in heaven that went to fight the battle. Because there is something about the wisdom of God's throne. Why should his throne be established upon justice at all if there is no injustice? 
You need to get it. So from the day that he made the heavens and the earth, he already knew that by reason of the fact that he will give will to creation, that there will be a possibility of rebellion. So the intelligence of God's throne is to be able to institute or to be able to institute righteousness, but at the same time, also have a justice system by which he's able to separate good from evil. But in between the righteousness and the justice, he also brings in the flow of mercy. So that in the day that a man arises and realizes that, ah, I have fallen from the grace of God, he can jump into the stream of mercy and he can then be able to receive the justice of God that can position him for life. Please stay with me because I need us to break out of that place where you make your prayer, God, all my enemies. Father, I'm not saying there are no enemies that should be taken down. They are. But there is a fatness of spirits that you come into. You are not the one that tells the enemy to break the break of you. There are some things that I see that I broke off from that was uh, things that accompanied me from birth, things that accompanied me from life, things that accompanied me from the places I got into, the people I engaged with, the way I lived my life. I saw it after in, at a later time in life and I did not have to go for a deliverance service. Listen, I am not saying there's no need for deliverance service. I didn't go for it because I was not possessed. I was oppressed. But as I grew fat in the anointing, something happened. Those things began to drop off me. So you see, we have stationed ourselves on a certain level of operation. That's why we are still being hindered by those things. But there is another level of operation that is called the fatness of the revelation of the life of God. When that happens to a man, you begin to receive deliverance even while you are sleeping. Track with me. So here is Esau and Jacob in the midst of the garden of their father's house. And they are contending for the blessedness and the authority and the dominion of the blessing. And so um, Jacob, in his natural ability to discern what is good from evil, because Jacob was sitting down there and he spent his life in understanding God, in understanding the father, in understanding the operation. And when you look at the when you look at the mother in this case, she's like the Holy Ghost, constantly guiding Jacob and saying to him, the father has a blessing for you. But there is a contender to the blessing. And the contender of the blessing is not far from you. It is the one that you grew up with. It is the one that you lived with. You shared a same womb with your contender. In fact, you are living with your contender in the same house. Understand what I'm saying? The apostle began to speak. He said, that which I want to do, I do not do. The one that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The one that the way I don't want to respond to people is the way I find myself responding. The things I don't want to, is it? He says, but listen, this is the solution to Esau, that you stay connected to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That even though Esau goes out, he's the first to marry, he's the first to hunt, he brings food, he brings this, that you stay connected to the Holy Ghost. And you are able to hear the voice of the Spirit at every point in time saying to you, this is the way to go walk in it. Because you see, what was lacking in the garden was not the possibility of good or the blessing. What was lacking was the connection with God's voice. Because in the day that they began a separate conversation, that was the day that, they, that the fall of man was activated. And you see, it says, and Isaac the father answered him and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be with the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven far above. And from the sword thou shalt live, and thou shalt, he says, and thou shalt save thy brother. Now listen, even after Jacob had taken the blessing, Esau still had something. Because Esau lifted up his voices, his voice, and he said, 
ah, is there nothing left for me? And Jacob said, um, Isaac said to him, he said, don't worry. There is still a fatness left for you. There is still this left for you. Listen to me. Esau always offers something. The Esau of life always offers something. Look at the blessing that God gave to Jacob and look at the blessing that God gave to Esau. When Isaac was pronouncing the blessing over Jacob and the one he pronounced over Isaac, uh, Esau, I beg, which one looks bigger? It looks to me like the blessing of Esau is bigger when you judge it from the eye of the flesh. Because it says, your, you, you, your, your dwelling shall be with the fatness of the earth. That means you will have oil and gas company. That means you will have agricultural companies. That means you will have money, private jet. You will sit with kings. You will sit with rulers. You will have power. He says that, and the dew of heaven from above. He says, so evil people will even look at you and say, ah, God has blessed this one. This one has the key of the kingdom of heaven and earth. When they look at the person, they'll say, ah, my goodness. He says, but you shall serve thy brother. At the end of the day, there is an ultimate positioning that is in the positioning of the spirit. He says, so you cannot judge the blessedness of God based on the provisions of life. Because eventually Jacob became blessed, but not as speedily as Esau. So it is not to him that runneth or to him that willeth, but to God that shows mercy. It is not about the presentation of Esau. So Esau will tempt you on a daily basis and say to you, hey, after all, look at what was done to you. Do your own back. After all, look at how they treated you. Treat your own back. After all, this life is about they who are able to own their own truth. You know, stand in the places where you're celebrated. Do not let anyone take your glory from you. Girl, own your crown. Become your own person. I beg, I beg, maybe you calm down. Because Esau now they shout pass. Esau is the one that when you present it, Esau looks like, ah, he's the most outspoken. He's the most current. He's the most productive. But the end thereof leads to death. The generations of Esau are not greater than the generation of Jacob today. You need to keep your eye on the eternal relevance of Christ in the midst of every matter. So, in our sense, and what Jacob, Isaac now said to him, and Isaac said to him, he said, Esau, and today I am speaking to people who feel like they have made some Esau decisions. I am speaking to people who feel like, listen, but Pia, I have gotten it wrong already. Pia, I have missed it already. Pia, I feel like, ah, the Esau in my, I have built Esau structures. I have raised strongholds of defense for myself. I have raised strategies. I have done all kinds of things that I cannot confidently say was born out of the spirit. Isaac said to Jacob, however, there is a redemption path for you. There is always a redemption path for man. Even after man chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I need you to hear me. If Jesus had accepted the proposal of Satan in the garden, in, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness, Jesus himself would have been rich. Satan said to him, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to get, yes, why? Because Satan has it. Adam had given it to him. So Satan was not lying. Jesus would have been wealthy. Jesus would have been influential. But the question is, is that the life that God called him to? Is that the existence of power and glory? He would have shortchanged eternal glory for the glory of a time-bound depleting world. This is what makes many people fail. 
This is what makes many people, and this breaks down. You may look at it and think, oh yes, it's very easy to obey God. It's a lie. How about when it is imputed in your blood and you came into this world as a person that was already groomed from when you were young and they told you, this is how we do it in our house. This is who we are. And this is how Nigerians are. So you have grown up with a culture of Esau, with a culture of hustle, with a culture of dog eat dog, with a culture of save your neck first, with a culture of use people to glory. This is how you grew up. And so how do you now find it easy to bring out the Jacob, to bring out the life of God? Not, I don't want to say Jacob, to bring out the Israel. Because even Jacob had to go through his own tree of knowledge of good and evil tree of life. And it was when he was in Laban's house and he was running away from Laban. And then he now found himself still running away from um, Esau, but he had no choice. He had to run towards Esau. So he was standing between um, the devil and the deep blue sea. That's when Jacob realized that, you see, this Jacob nature cannot help man. I have to find the Israel inside of me. It was also in the garden of Jacob's wrestle. That was where Jacob found his Israel. There are always two trees in your garden. So are you the man that you can potentially be if you are fully trusted in the Lord? Or have you raised for yourself new standards of operation to defend your heart, defend your emotion, defend your money making, defend your, have you begun to break God's government and you have begun to redefine what the statutes of God look like so that it can suit your Esau hunger? Today, the spirit of God is calling for a restoration. The spirit of God is calling for the possibility of Esau's being won unto the Lord. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he did not come to seek and to save you in just one encounter at the altar. Jesus is still seeking and saving the inner being, your inner man, your inner parts. Jesus is still seeking and saving your culture. Jesus is still seeking and saving your understanding. Jesus is still seeking and saving your relationships. Jesus is still seeking and saving the anointing in your life. Jesus is still seeking and saving your heart's posture. It is a continuous journey of redemption. Until the day we stand before him, that is the day when we will be like him in all its fullness. But before then, we must constantly receive the redemptive power of Christ. Isaac said to him, because Isaac was a spiritual man, and Isaac said to him, he says, it shall come to pass. That means there was already a predestined possibility of salvation for Esau. There is already a predestined possibility of redemption for you. In any area of life, no matter what it is, there is a predestined opportunity for you to stand in the fullness of God and operate in his fullness. He says, in that day, it shall come to pass. That means there is a season where a man walks through the door of dominion. There is a season where a man walks through that door of restoration. There is a season. And I can tell you that today is that season. When we began praying, I, I said, when I started, when I took up, I said, God, I pray for that person that you have opened the door of wealth and dominion onto. Because I saw it. When I woke up for this prayer meeting, I was chatting with Pastor Stephanie. And then at some point I zoomed out. I fell asleep for like 30 seconds and I opened my eye. But in that 30 seconds, I saw somebody that God was raising. The person was small, normal, 
but I saw the hand of the Lord come upon the person and the person rose to authority and rose to power and rose to dominion. And it was almost as though everywhere the person went, there is an announcement that he is bringing the wealth of the nations and the wealth of the kings. I saw the individual. And as I woke up from that sleep, I, I, it was like the Lord was trying to impute, impress on my heart that it is by the hand of God that he brings men to dominion. So Isaac said to him, he says, and it shall come to pass that thou shall have the dominion. So that means dominion is definite. There is the dominion. There is a place called dominion. There is a door called dominion. There is a band of angels called the dominion angels. They are the ones that fight for a man that has been subjugated to the influence of hell and death. There is a realm called dominion. When you enter that realm of dominion, you have broken the chains of the natural captivity of your humanity of you. When you enter into dominion, people receive you even when they don't want you. People respect you even when they don't understand you. People fear you even when there is nothing to you because they see the hand of the Lord upon your life. It is like a space that you bring in when you enter a room. The demons begin to tremble. They begin to act out. Why? Because in the realm of dominion, you are carrying the firepower of God. You have broken the shackle of the temptation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have gone past that place. You have gone past that place of proving yourself to people. You have gone past that place of saying, is it right or is it wrong? I don't even care if it is right before men. I don't even care if it is an acceptable will. I need the perfect will of God. When you enter into dominion, he says, it shall come to pass that thou shalt have the dominion. That means the dominion is available to be had, but it depends on your actions. So that means there is always the realm of subjection and the realm of dominion. So Esau was operating in the realm of subjection. Why? Because he had not made the right choices. Remember, I started by talking about choice in connection to the release of authority and power. Esau had not made the right choices. So Esau was staying in the realm where he was in subjection and in servanthood to his brother. But Isaac said to him, you can gain the dominion. You can have it. You can take it. It's the same way I am telling you this morning that this door is available to you. You can have it. You can lay hold of it. It depends on the choices you make. Because there is a day where a man apprehends the door. If you miss the day, you will have to wait for another cycle of opportunity. Esau did not know that that was the day that he needed to move quicker than he has ever moved. He thought, surely Jacob does not know. He thought, surely Jacob has no idea. So he took his time. He went to get the animal. He took his time to cook it. There is a day where you don't take your time. There are some messages you hear, you don't take your time. You fall on your face and you begin to pray. There are some words you hear. You don't say, I'm going to wait till she finishes preaching and then she will not lead us to prayer. If you notice, my teaching is prayer. I'm not be giving you prayer point number one, prayer point number two. Your spirit has to be moved by what you hear. And as the revelation is hitting, you are praying the revelation. You are saying to the Lord, Father, give me the grace to apprehend this door. Because I see that I have come to the day where I can have the dominion. Papa, do not let me miss it. What does the dominion look like in my business? What does the dominion look like in my character and my good name? What does the dominion look like in my relationships? In my ability to be a parent? In my ability to be a minister? What does the dominion look like? Father, help me to have it today. 
He says, this is the action that will lead you to have it. He says, thou shalt break his yoke from off your neck. He says, the day that you gain it, that is the day that the yoke will be broken. As we go, I want to leave you with these things. I want to leave you with these things. Oh, yes, Sito Abasi. I agree with you. This message is in season. It's in season even for me. And you see, you go through cycles of God releasing the two trees in the garden in your life. Cycles of it. Where God begins to play, he will play the message back again. He will play it back again. And you that you thought you had mastered it before, you will now realize there's another level of mastery. Remember yesterday I was telling you that dominion speaks about the ability to rule, to dominate, to tread upon. But you see, dominion also means the root word for dominion that was actually used in this Genesis chapter. It speaks about restlessness, to wonder, wonder restlessly. So basically, Esau, uh, Isaac was saying to Esau, my son, I may die very soon, Esau, but let me teach you that there is a walking of the spirit that enables a man to break out of that which is restricted from him and to break into it, it says it is where you enter into dominion space. Let me tell you how somebody breaks into the door of dominion. It begins with responding to the restlessness in your spirit, the restlessness in your heart, the restlessness in your soul. That's why when Satan wants to completely destroy a man, he kills his conscience. I'm not just talking about your conscience to what is right, what is wrong. I'm talking about the conscience of the presence of the Spirit of God. He kills it completely. You become hardened. You don't feel anymore to, to, to want to apprehend the Lord. You become okay with religion. And that is the evil of religion. Because religion takes away the restlessness in the person's spirit. It takes away your hunger. That is the evil of culture. So you now embrace a standard and you never question it. That thing that even fights inside of you to say, this is wrong. This can be better. Can we change it? You don't have it anymore. Because religion or culture deadens it inside of you. You begin to live out the limitation of forefathers before you. Because three generations before you arrived at the same challenge. And in their time, they failed to apprehend the tree of life. And they made a different choice. And when they saw the effect of the choice, they began to adjust culture to fit the effect of their choice. And so they rose up a generation that they had built a culture of living based on the effect of the choices they made. Then three generations later, that culture was handed down. And three generations later, they are living out the brokenness of three generations before that God challenged to good. And then these three generations arose and they have not yet questioned, how did we arrive at these standards? And I need you to understand that cultures are backed up by spirits because every spirit needs a culture for it to establish itself on the earth. Because you realize that when God wanted to save the children of Israel, what he did to them in the wilderness was he began to give them a set of cultural living. And he said to them, this is how you talk to each other. This is how you engage with each other. This is how you dress. This is how you eat. Why? Because culture is a doorway that opens the activation of certain spirits. So when you have a culture of, of fornication and a culture of lawlessness, you open to the doors to the spirits and the principalities that are activated by fornication. So when those principalities come, they are not creating more fornication. They begin to bring brokenness and death into the lives of the people. So culture is a doorway for spirits and powers in, 
or, or, or either of darkness or of heaven. Culture. That's why I've been speaking to you people about the culture of revelation. The culture of consistently seeing Jesus. Culture of consistently seeing what is Jesus' heart in this. Because that culture opens you to the operation of heaven. If you are, uh, embrace a different culture, it can open you to the, um, to the power of darkness. This is how people shut generational doors. You wake up and you say, our fathers did this. But God, what are you saying? What should we do? So Jacob, Isaac said to Esau, Esau, in the day you break your culture, something will happen to you. He said, get restless, Esau. You are too complacent. The reason why Jacob has power over you and why you are serving him today is because you are complacent. Jacob is awake. Jacob is awake. Jacob is awake. And I say to people, remember always for the rest of your life that hanging at the edge of every table of opportunity that God gives to you is a Jacob. A Jacob is a more hungrier version of you or a more hungrier person hanging at the edge of your table of opportunity is a Jacob. A Jacob that understands the severity of decision-making. A Jacob that understands the grandness of the possibilities that God placed before you. A Jacob is always waiting. Even every vision that God gives to you, there is a Jacob that is always waiting to implement that vision in the day that you lax or you step down a little. Fighting for every throne that God has given to you is a Jacob. A Jacob is strengthened by his hustle. So you need to consistently understand. So Isaac said to Esau, Esau, your problem is not even the fact that Jacob exists. Your problem is that you have not asked yourself, why does Jacob keep getting it and I keep losing it? Why is this one's working, one's own working, and mine is not working? It's the same Jesus. It's the same anointing. It's the same Holy Ghost. Why is this person receiving the result of the abundance of his pleasant presence and I am not? Esau, you need to get restless. The solution to the Esau inside of you is the restlessness. Where there is a cry in your spirit. Where there is a cry in your soul. You are crying out to God. Esau's situation did not change until he cried out. The Bible says with a loud voice, he cried. And he said, God, it's the same thing as Jabez. Jabez actually accepted his Jabez position until the day he cried out to God. And he said, God, I don't want this anymore. Jesus could have accepted the position to not die until he got into the garden and he cried out to God. And he said, no, 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 let's let not my will be done for yours. Somebody needs to cry out this morning because the cry of every man solves the problem of generations to come. The solutions that God will give to you today in your cry is what will save your children and your children's children. The solutions that God will give to you in your cry as a minister is what will bet the next leg of revival. Somebody needs to gain the dominion. Somebody needs to become restless. Somebody needs to say, God, there should be more. There can be more. God, you can give me the power and the ability to operate consistently in your will. Somebody needs to cry out. Somebody needs to say, where is the destiny that God promised me? Where is the life that God promised me? Where is the day that God spoke about? Where 
God, I am tired of consistently selling out my destiny because I don't have a fight inside of me. God, cause there to be a holy war that breaks out in my soul. Cause there to be a holy war that breaks out in my spirit. Cause there to be a holy war that breaks out in my mind. Father, I refuse to consistently accept the standards of this world. I refuse to accept the standard of sickness. I refuse to accept the standard of brokenness. I refuse to accept the standard of shame. I refuse to accept the standard of mediocrity. My God, let a holy war break out in my soul. Take away from me the sleep of Jonah. Take away from me the sleep of Jonah. Take away from me the peace of one who is sleeping in a box that is about to capsize. Father, let a holy war break out inside of me. Let a holy war break out inside of my soul. Let a holy war break out inside of my spirit. Let a holy contention begin in my mind. Baba, I give you the authority to challenge the standards that have been imputed inside of me from time and from culture and from living. My God, I am ready for the other side of life. I am ready for the possibilities inside of you. I am ready, oh God, for the life of the, for the, life of the tree of, of life. I am ready to live it out. Let the holy war break out. Ask the Lord to open your eye to see the cultures you have embraced that have become doorways for certain demonic activations. Ask the Lord to open your eyes for the cultures you have embraced that have become the doorways for certain activations. Ask God to open your eyes. For those of us who are Africans, we understand this very, very seriously. Because you will be, when, when demonic people or herbalists or, or the people who do what we call juju, they will tell you when you get to your house, put this here, don't do this. At this time, do that. At that time, do this. Pour this drink on the ground and say, why? Because it is certain cultures. So today we look at certain cultures even around sex. And you ask yourself, where did it come from? Who taught us certain things that we do in the bedroom? The question is, what doorway are those acts opening? And so you hear people say, oh, you, what door is it opening? Because the Bible says there is no voice that is meaningless. For every voice has got a, a, a thing that is speaking, a purpose that it is chasing. So the voices you have heard that have forged the life that you are living, the question is, what was their purpose? What was their purpose? We know that ancient cultures served different kinds of gods, fallen angels that appeared to them, that gave them skills and abilities for development and for and technologies for increase. And those gods required certain cultures of them. And so it was those cultures that made it possible for those gods to keep living. And so recently, um, my brother Apostomi was even teaching about Christmas and took us back to when the earlier church was, you know, reformed and the culture of the church was adjusted by the king then to be able to receive all the other religions. And so there was the culture of a particular God, I've forgotten his name, and the way the God was served was that in um, in that December period, trees were, uh, trees were mounted and on the trees, 
you know, um, different kinds of things were crafted. Metal balls were crafted to represent the balls of that God, that demonic God. And it was hung on the trees. And when they were hung it on the trees, they would also put lights on the trees and they would sing around it. It was the way they worshipped that God. That culture was in, imputed into the church. And you give it thousands of years later, the church has never questioned it. And they will do the rituals. And in those rituals, the question is, who are we evoking? We have to begin to get to the part where we enter into the wisdom of the spirit realm. Now, he said to him that in the day that you begin to, um, he said, in the day you gain the dominion, the yoke shall be broken from you. Now, the yoke speaks about what a severe action in your life is actually the Hebrew word um, uh, allow. But what allow actually means is to act severely, to deal severely, to make a fool of a person. So Isaac was saying to Esau, there is a natural way you behave, where you don't see things, you don't take things seriously. It actually also means to busy oneself, to divert yourself. You know, to deal ruthlessly, to abuse. It speaks about practices. Listen to me. Isaac was saying to Esau, in the day that you gain the dominion, in the day you get restless, you will begin to question your practices because yoke also means practices. Yoke also means the busyness of oneself. In the day you become restless and you start to say, God, where is the more? God, I want your life. He says something will happen to you. That's up and down, you will calm down and you begin to speak to the Lord concerning the things that truly matter. Mm -hmm. He says that in the day that you become restless and you begin, you enter the place of God, I want more. Mm -hmm. That the way that the enemy is dealing with you severely, it will end. Mm -hmm. He says that's yoke because it's a yoke. It is a spirit. It is something. Also, that yoke also means to act or play like a child. You, play, you do childish things. Isaac said it's a yoke. Your problem is not Jacob. Your problem is the yoke on your shoulder. The problem is the fact that you, you, you play like a child. You don't take things seriously. You hear the sermon, you go back and you do the same things. You hear the sermon, you go back and you continue the same way. You, there is nothing inside of you that wants to thrust and wants to, you know, you are not stopping that culture of business, 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 you know, diverting yourself. Do you know? He says, Esau, your problem is this yoke. He said, but the way you deal with this yoke is that you enter a place of questioning. You enter a place of questioning. You enter a place where you begin to say, God, I need more. I have to be more. He says, the yoke shall be broken from off your neck. That's from off you. Off you actually speaks about on the grounds of. He says, on the grounds of your restlessness, this is how you will take that thing off you. That childishness that had made you sell your birthright. That childishness that has made you give um, David, um, um, Jacob, everything you have, it will be taken from you. And I just want to speak quickly about the neck. Yes, it speaks about neck, it speaks about back. But you see, neck also represents to be besieged, to be confined. You know, it speaks about to be an adversary. So he said to him, he said, Iso, let me tell you, you have an adversary that is lying inside of you. But in the day you enter this kind of prayer, that thing that makes you behave childishly, that makes you restless, that makes you go up and down, busy yourself, you divert yourself from actually confronting the matter, 
it will be broken off you and will no longer have the adversary anymore. Every time he spoke about the neck, he spoke about authority because the neck is the place where you are either adorned, where you put your jewelries on your neck. So the neck is the posture and the place of a human where the adorning of God and the adorning of glory can come upon you. It's your neck. But the neck is also where the adversary can lie. Please follow me. The neck is also where the adversary can lie. When a king wins a battle, where does he match? He matches the neck. You say you put your leg on the neck of your enemies because your neck is a symbol of where your power is. It's a symbol of where your authority is. When you match the neck of a person, you're speaking about the fact that you have dominated the person. He says, Esau, in the place of your, where your true dominion, adorning and power lies, there is a yoke, and it is the yoke of childishness. It is the yoke of your inability to discern good from evil. It is the yoke of your inability to know that you have to step into the realm of life and stop arguing stupid arguments on social media. And so you need to rise up into the place of revelation. And so you need to rise up into the place of searching for pure sermons, the stream of God that releases the life of God. And so you can no longer be saying the Lord's prayer, our Father, whatever, Lord, be thy name. And so break out of it. That is a yoke. You need to break the yoke of culture. You need to break the yoke of um, your normal practices. He said it is a yoke. He said in the day that you break it, in the day you begin to fight and you begin to question it and you begin to say, God, what else? God, what more? He says, then the leg of the enemy will be taken from your neck and the adorning of God will come upon your neck. He says, that is the day you stop serving your brother. That is the day you stop saying, you know what? What about this person? What about me? That is the day you stop serving. He says, that is the day you come into your own man. Today, I am talking to every Esau. I am talking to the Esau decisions you have made. I'm talking to the Esau positions you have taken. I am talking to the Esau mistakes you have made. I am talking to the voice of Esau inside of you. And I am saying that you have to gain the dominion. I am saying that as we pray this morning, something is happening to you. The hand of the Lord can the hand of the Lord is breaking from off you the dominion of hell and darkness. The hand of the Lord is shattering from you all the powers of the enemy. This is your day, Esau. This is your day, Esau. Come on, pray this morning. I partner with you with prayer and I say to you by the power of the Holy Ghost that something is breaking off you. You are breaking the power of culture. You are breaking the power of the, the, the power of fear. You are breaking the power of childishness. You are breaking the power of the inability to rise up in the wisdom of God. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, 
break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. I'm an army rising up to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Today in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I need you to repeat this with me and say in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I shut every door, the door of sight, the door of pain, in the, even the door of broken victory that led me into the realm that I am in, the realm of subjugation, the realm of brokenness. The realm of broken operation. I shut the door by the blood of Jesus. I shut the door to demonic cultures that leave me a slave to the operations of demonic spirit. I shut the door to demonic positions that leave me a slave to demonic operations. I declare, I declare that I walk through the door, walk through the door. of the dominion of the Holy Ghost. I walk through the door of the dominion of the culture of Zion. I walk through the door of the dominion of the dominion of the mindset of Jesus. Of the mindset of Jesus. I declare, I declare that, whosoever that whosoever the Son has set free, the Son has set free is free indeed. Is free indeed. The yoke, the yoke is broken off my neck. Broken off my neck in the name of Jesus. In the name of because Jesus. Because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. The yoke, the yoke is broken off my neck. Broken off my in neck. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because of the fatness. Because of the fatness. Of the presence of, of God. Of the presence of God. Every yoke. Every yoke is broken off my neck. Broken off my neck. In the name of in Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The yoke of religion. The yoke of religion. The yoke of tradition. The yoke of tradition. The yoke of my father's house. The yoke of my father's house. The yoke of my mother's house. The yoke of my mother's house. The yoke of my nation. The yoke of my nation. The yoke of my generation. The yoke of my generation. Broken off my neck. He's broken out of my neck. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Today. Today. By the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I receive. I receive. The adornment of Christ. The adornment of Christ. I wear it upon my neck. I wear it upon my neck. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, celebrate. Oh, Oh, 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, let the inheritance of this victory, let it be imputed into the life of my children, into the lives of my children's children. Let the inheritance of this victory, let it be imputed into everything that I build with my hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Marokomasa. The battles I fight, my sons will not fight them. The victories I have, my sons will have them. By the power of the Holy Ghost, who bears records to the hustles of men. Father, today we have contended for that which should be ours in the revelation of your word. So Father, let it be imputed unto us in the name of Jesus. into revelations of Christ, we enter into victories in Christ. Let me tell you what has happened. Somebody has just broken off a generational pattern because with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with your mouth you confess unto the salvation that is available. But how can they believe except they be taught? It is the teaching of the world that brings conviction to the heart of men. And then as you are convicted, you speak, something happens. Something has happened over you today. You have just escaped the Esau effects that your father made. By the Esau decisions that our parents make, we are born into the circumstances of it. But in the day that a generation rises up and you say, no, I choose the Jacob, the Israel possibility 
even in my family line, something else begins to happen. You begin to live out a different destiny because there are always two trees in every garden. In every garden. It doesn't matter who you are. Why does God do that? So that in the day that a generation before ties you up and bounds you within a tree, when you rise up, you are not subjected to that binding forever. When you find Christ and you find the possibility of receiving the Israel dimension, you can be losing from a captivity. So stay in the blessing of God. I welcome you into the space and the realm of dominion. It says in the day you gain the dominion. So version says in the day you become fat, the yoke shall be broken from you. Stay fat in the spirit. Stay nourished in the spirit. If you have not listened to all the days of prayer, and go back and listen to all of them. If you have listened to them before or you were part of them, still listen to them again. He says, it is in the hearing of the word that faith is built up. Go back, enter everywhere we have entered fully and stay fat in the spirit. Because by the time September is done, remember the word I gave. I said there is a kind of breaking out in wealth that will happen in this month. So by the time you are entering October, you are not the person that entered September. I'm telling you the truth. This is how you change. This is how you mutate and you grow. People who knew you last month will be saying, ah, what's it happen to you now? But I say, there's just this thing and this is how it happens. Dominion is not the look on your face. It's not the sound of your voice. If you have it, you have it. If you are there, you are there. You understand? So I know that the Spirit of God has heard us and I declare that this that God has given to us shall not be stolen from us. The birds of the air will not eat it away. It will not die in a, in a hard soil. But I pray the watering of God's spirit and God's word to follow you throughout this day. Tomorrow we meet again. We will continue. Every door that God wants to open, we will open it. But we enter into it fully by the power and by the spirit of God. God bless you. Take this word. Speak it over your home. Speak it over everything. Speak it over your body. Command the cells in your body to enter into this place where it breaks every kind of yoke, everything that was in your bloodstream that is not of the Lord. Tell it to leave and tell it that the yoke is broken today. The captivity is broken because there's a revelation about the life of God flowing through your blood. Healing is yours. Health is yours. Liberation is yours. Power is yours in the name of Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. I love you all. Keep me in your prayers. Strengthen the work that we are doing at People of Influence. Strengthen it. And as you do so, may God also strengthen you. As you provide for the vision, may God also provide for your vision. I pray that God's grace will never depart from you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you from POI. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Take care.